Hey guys, welcome back to the Swish Woodlad Podcast. Super grateful to have Swish as our major sponsor this season. What I love about Swish is how they combine helping Kiwi Kids charities and connecting sports stars with their fans with a super easy and affordable platform. The list of sports stars on Swish is growing every day and with Waterlad legends such as Aaron Smith, Sam Kane and Bowden Barrett, there are plenty of great options for everyone and up to 70% of the proceeds from every video does go towards these Kiwi Kids charities. To order, head over to heyswish.com, click the sports star that you want and don't forget to add the discount which is Waterlad with no spaces for $15 off. They make an awesome gift idea which you can have plenty of fun with as well. So go and give that a go. Also, one of New Zealand's best harness trainers, Regan Todd from Todd's Racing. They have an opportunity of a lifetime for you to own your very own piece of Water Lad in the form of the soon-to-be champion horse, which is Water Lad. As my move to Christchurch fast approaches, I certainly can't wait to get down to Addington with a bunch of new owners who I know are all lads to wind this guy home. He looks an absolute treat and he seems to have the speed of his dad, Lazarus. If you're interested, flick me a message on Instagram and I'll send you the details. Also, O Studio have expanded in the form of England international Willie Hines. So have a listen to this message from him. Willie Hines here. I've recently jumped on board with Tim Bateman at O Studio. Similar to Tim, throughout the course of my professional rugby career, I've been thinking about what jobs I could do post-footy that align with my own drivers and motivators. When I spoke with Tim and he shared that O Studio was all about helping others, genuine connections, and at the same time, a business where you can continue to grow and develop, I thought, what an awesome opportunity. It's also worth mentioning that some of the key benefits of the franchise model include that you are buying a business that is up and running and has a proven track record, as well as systems and support networks that are in place to guide and assist you every step of the way as you start your journey into the wellbeing industry. If you're keen to find out more, head over to ostudio.co.nz lad to inquire. Well, today you're in for an absolute treat as I have one of the best players and lads in world rugby. He is the face of rugby in Argentina and the brutal loose forward is by all accounts one of the nicest guys you'll meet. He's very well travelled and he's had an incredible career to date. He is one of the absolute greats. It is Pablo Mateta. Welcome, mate. Thank you, James. Thank you for having me. Mate, thanks for coming on. I've had so many requests to get you on, especially since your time at the Crusaders. Um, you're a very popular man here in New Zealand. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure I, chatting a little bit about rugby. Always a pleasure, and <laughs> it gets my my English. Uh, it's good to to speak my English uh, every time in a while, not to lose it. So yeah, mate, your English is good. Um, I noticed that in your time at the Crusaders. I wasn't sure what your English was like heading to the Crusaders, but um, obviously you fitted in there seamlessly. Yeah, English. Uh, it's not too bad. I learned when I was young, but. Uh, I thought I speak better, and when I arrived to New Zealand, I just couldn't understand nothing the guy was saying. <laughs> so I had to like learn it all again. That's a different, a different English you guys speak than the one I, I learned. So, but I, now I'm I, I improved a little bit, and, and and I'm able to to speak with you guys. So it, it was it was something good as well. Yeah, I guess there's so many slang words or words that you don't really see in the dictionary that people use, eh? Yeah, yeah, probably a couple of them, yeah. 
but you're just coming off the rugby championship, uh, a very evenly contested um, competition this year. Um, how did you find it with Argentina? I was wonderful. Uh, it's always a pleasure to play with Argentina and, and, and be part of the rugby championship. It's obviously a very tough tournament, but it's always always a lot of learning. And we, we had a big challenge this year because we had a new head coach with Michael Cheka and yeah. a lot of a lot of new players as well, young players uh, joining the team. So it was a, a big challenge, but I think that uh, we we've been growing uh, week by week. We had some some great games uh, on the way, and and I'm sure that the team is in a good spot to keep on growing. So uh, we really enjoyed it, and I think that we take the most of this tournament. Mm. And one of the highlights from that tournament, obviously, would have been that win against the All Blacks down in Christchurch. How was that one? Oh, that was the best one. That was yeah. one probably one of the games I will always remember. Uh, going back to Christchurch after being there for six months, living with my family. And going back to Christchurch to play the All Blacks uh, yeah. in the Oranga Theory Stadium, that was something special. And I think uh, there was not a game that I wanted to win more than that one. <laughs> so yeah, it was a dream come true to be able to 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 beat the All Blacks for the for the first time in in New Zealand territory as well. So yeah, yeah it was a big highlight. No yeah. And international rugby is so close at the moment, so evenly contested. I mean. All the Northern Hemisphere teams that had the June internationals, they were all really close competitions. And then obviously um, the rugby championship as well. Any team can be any team at the moment in the international level. Yeah, I agree. And that, that was one of the things that we spoke at the beginning of the tournament. Like uh, there's a big opportunity now in, in, in world rugby. You, you turn on the TV and you watch any game and every team is stronger and it's yeah. more even at the moment. So, uh, you could see the, in the north any fear that playing su- such a good rugby, and now at the start of the rugby championship, uh, you could see one game each, win one game each. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, rugby is getting is, is playing very competitive at the moment, mm, and it makes for an exciting World Cup, eh? Like Rugby World Cup next year. Um, I mean, I'm guessing Argentina feeling pretty confident about their chances heading into that. Uh, competition, knowing how even all the teams are. Yeah, yeah, obviously there's there's a long way to go still, but I think we are in the we are in the good in a good position to keep on growing. We have everything that that a team needs to to be a strong team. So I'm sure that we're gonna get there uh, in a good place. Yeah. Hmm. Who do you see as the favourites for the Rugby World Cup at the moment? Who who do you think is going to be the hardest team to beat? Hard to tell, but I would say if, if I had to choose one now, probably France or Ireland. Mm. I think uh, they are the top teams in the Northern Hemisphere and the South Hemisphere at the moment. You you can tell which one is the, the strongest team, probably South Africa or New Zealand at the yeah. moment. So, yeah, I, I would choose. I would pick maybe maybe France at the moment. Yeah, France at home. They're going to be extremely tough to beat. Eh? They're playing some really good footy. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome for them, but it's also a lot of pressure for sure playing back mm-hmm. home. So I'm sure anything can happen. So New Zealand starting against against France. First game, yeah, to open the competition. Yeah. It's gonna be that's gonna be some game to start, eh? Yeah, good start, eh? Yeah. <laughs> and who's in Argentina's pool? They got a tough pool. Like, I know I remember last yeah, um, rugby tough. world cup, you had a really tough pool. With France and yeah, England, yeah. This, this one is still tough. We got Japan, we got England as well. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. 
Mm. But yeah, we, we're starting against England. That's going to be a big game. Yeah, big game for us as well. Oh, can't wait for the Rugby World Cup. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. But then you're off to um, Japan with Honda Heat. Um, how did this, how did this contract come about? Well, uh, actually, I was planning on staying, staying at least one more season with the Crusaders, and then, then this opportunity came. Um, I was playing a lot of rugby this mm. year. I've been playing a lot of rugby, and I remember my. I was a bit concerned about how much rugby I, I've been playing. And uh, obviously, I remember for, uh, the last World Cup, we played the final against the Crusaders in 2019. I played a lot of rugby. I played super rugby that year and went straight to, to World Cup, uh, to Rugby Championship and to World Cup. And uh, I remember playing the World Cup and feeling exhausted. And oh, I yeah. said, like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Mm. I should be like, I should be preparing the whole year to, to play the World Cup, not coming to the World Cup already with with a sore body and uh, and exhausted. But so, yeah. I think it was a hard decision because uh, obviously I had the best time ever at the Crusaders, uh, and I didn't want to leave leave my spot there. I, I really enjoyed it, I loved it, but I thought that Japan was maybe the the smartest decision in a World Cup year. And I always wanted to go to Japan. I, I thought it was going to be maybe after a couple of more years, but the opportunity came now. Uh, I thought it was a good time to do it. My wife loves loves Japan. She's been there on holidays and she came to the World Cup as well and she loves it. So she was one of the, she that put the, <laughs> took the decision uh, strongly. And we said, okay, let's go for it. We love new challenges. Yeah. Uh, going to New Zealand was a big, was a big challenge as well, and we really enjoyed it and we learned a lot. So we just say, okay, let's take this chance to to keep on learning and and I don't know, experience something different. Yeah, mate, your wife must be a legend because obviously, so much moving you've done in your career to still be up to challenges to head to countries where obviously another language you're going to have to learn. Um, it's not easy for um, your partner, and especially when, once you've got kids as well. Yeah, my partner is the best, and, uh, and my kid as well. Like he was born in France. Yeah, he lived there almost for eight months. Then we went to Argentina, new language, for another six months. Then we went to New Zealand, another language, a third language, for six months. And now I'm taking them to Japan. So. Yeah, they they've been awesome. Uh, they are the best support ever. So they allowed me to do the things that I love the most, and we we do it all together. So mm. yeah, I told I told I told my wife maybe uh, after my next contract we we settle somewhere. But <laughs> now I just have to go be in the road, love to experience everything, <laughs> to learn new things, and I think it's the best it's the best time to do it with a small kid. Yeah. We have another one, another kid on the way. Oh, congrats. Uh, yeah, thank you. So probably probably soon we'll have to stop moving so much. <laughs> Is that another boy or girl? You're not sure yet. No, we've got another boy. Oh, yeah, another, another boy. boy. Oh, mate. Argentina rugby yeah. is in good hands. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to be called Akira. Like Akira oh. Ioane. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, because it's a Japanese, a Japanese name and he's going to be born in Japan. So yeah, we'll go for it. Oh, mate, love that. Speaking, uh, talking about the languages and stuff, can you speak any Japanese? I know you gave um, Te Reo 
uh, attempt over here. You got stuck into learning today, which was pretty impressive. Like, I don't know. A lot of people were blown away by you even trying to um, speak today, which is awesome. How's your Japanese? Oh, my Japanese is not that good. <laughs> I, but I I promised myself that I, I will learn a little bit for sure. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take lessons. I think it's important to to be able to really get involved in a, in a new culture and new environment. I think it's important that at least you try your best to yeah. to understand their language and their culture. And yeah, it's it's a it's a big challenge. My wife, she's very good with languages. Every every time we go to a new a new country, she she learns the language perfectly. It's good when you need to make a call to the TV guy or <laughs> or pay the electricity bill or whatever. Yeah, she's yeah. the one doing that because she manages the language better than me. But yeah, we're gonna try we're gonna try learn Japanese for sure. Mm. And is that why you tried to learn Tedeo as well? Because you just wanted to immerse yourself into the culture? Yeah, to be honest, in New Zealand, it's amazing. Like As soon as you arrive to the airport, you start seeing the two languages everywhere. Yeah. You see the Maori language, yeah, English, like Ocharoa, New Zealand. Every Everywhere you, you see the two languages. And I got interested in, in, in learning more. We buy a book, a big book. Uh, it's like a kid's book and we <laughs> read like every night two or three pages and learn new words and yeah and yeah we, we really enjoy it and then when we see those words somewhere in a, in a movie or whatever we say oh i know that word oh i know yeah. what's the meaning of that yeah so it was really interesting and yeah now we we, we brought the book back to argentina we, we keep on reading and so every once in a while before bed with my son he learned a lot as well i remember when we had to learn when i had to learn the takina tekawa the the, the, the haka for the crusaders i had to practice a lot at home and my son saw me practicing so he almost knew it as well <laughs> uh, and yeah that was that was amazing so yeah obviously i think it's a it's it's a big opportunity to be in a new place and learn the language as well so what's it like facing the hacker now that you know a little bit of um Tedeo and a little bit of the maori culture and obviously you learned the crusaders hacker now I, I know a little more about what's the what's the meaning of it the, the only thing I knew before is like, oh, yeah, it's like it's like a, a war chant they do. And yeah. but you don't really know too much. And now being in being involved in the New Zealand culture and knowing uh, how strong it is to be involved in one and how you feel like the energy of the environment changes when 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 the boys are about to do it and uh, the meaning of it, uh, why they do it and everything is just it's just unbelievable. And, I enjoy it. Now I just watch it and I enjoy it. And yeah. I, I feel like, okay, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm happy that I'm able to experience that and to see the boys doing it. And yeah, it's just, it's just joy. Mate, that's so cool. And one thing I do like to do um, through all my episodes is to hear a little bit more about the guests as a young fellow, what it was like for them growing up. So um, obviously you're my first guest from Argentina. So Obviously, a very different <laughs> upbringing to a lot of Kiwis that I've had on before. But um, what what is it like growing up in Argentina? What was your upbringing like? Oh, it was wonderful. Uh, a lot of outdoors activities, trying to learn every sport. A lot of football. A yeah. lot of football here. Like I started playing rugby when I was 15 years old. Before that, it was all about football here in Argentina. And as a young kid, if you want to make friends, you need to to know how to play football. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was a bit uh, a bit of a rebel when I was when I was young as well. Yeah. 
yeah my my mother is uh, my mother is an angel poor 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 woman he had to do so much for me <laughs> and I, I i was not an easy boy i was not an easy boy uh lost my father when i was 12 so i was a bit like uh, too much freedom too much yeah. freedom to be honest my, mm-hmm. my mother had to take care of other stuff uh, and, and i had a lot of a lot of freedom uh, no one watching and uh, doing uh, all kind of of things but it was good it was it was i lived in the countryside of argentina uh, a lot of friends a big school with a, a lot of kids and now i had plenty of friends from there Got involved in rugby when I was 15 and got uh, amazed by the sport, how different it was to everything else that I, I experienced before. Being able to be part of something bigger, of a big team. Getting to to know new people as well, new friends. Uh, learning about the, the values of rugby. And yeah, it's been an, an awesome uh, childhood, to be, to be honest. I, I really enjoyed it. And it's a... Uh, it's a bit wild in Argentina. Sometimes maybe a bit unsafe. Now that I'm, I'm a father, I said like mm, I'm not sure if I would let my my son to do all the stuff I did when I was younger <laughs> or to have so much liberty. But but it's it's a beautiful country as well. Uh, wonderful people and uh, and I really enjoyed my childhood. Yeah, I was I was very very lucky. Yeah. So what sort of travel were you getting into? Were you sort of getting into fights and things like that, or um, what's What's travel look like over there? Uh, when I was younger, more like naughty things. I don't know. Getting to inside houses that people were not living there or oh, yeah. buildings or, or, or whatever, or just broken stuff or that kind of stuff. When I was a bit more like a, yeah, more a teenage, teenager, I get into some fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one when I was 17 that almost pushed me away from rugby. I remember sure. one of my uh, under under 20s coaches that told me like, if you're gonna be behaving like this, uh, that's, that's not a you you can't be part of a team a rugby team or whatever. And at that point, I say like, okay, I need to I need to change some attitudes. I need to start. I don't know, mature, 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 yeah, yeah. be more mature and really take this more seriously. So yeah, that kind of stuff like. Uh, having done any any crime or anything like that, but uh, I was a naughty boy with too much uh, too much freedom. To be honest, uh, yeah. no one to tell me that I couldn't do this or that. So I just I could do whatever I wanted, and most of the time that was uh, getting into trouble. And when you first had a crack at rugby, were you a big guy? Did, did you would have loved the physical side of the game? I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Uh, I was not one of the biggest guys. I think I've never been one of the biggest guys. Uh, I had my first chance to play for uh, Pumas when I was 20. Yeah. So And I played against South Africa. So to be honest, I was really afraid. I remember mm-hmm. the night the night before, uh, I was going to play players like Albert. He was playing seven for South Africa. He was like 120-something kg, and I was... 96 kg <laughs> uh, and I was like how I'm gonna do how I'm gonna be able to do this and yeah it was not too bad it was not a too bad game uh, for myself and after that I started losing fear you know when you start playing at uh, at this level you start losing fear a bit and uh, I keep on developing my body as well getting a little more better training better nutrition 
more physical, uh, a little bit heavier as well at the moment. And yeah, start uh, building my game as well. So yeah. So when you um when you were named in the Argentina side, was that out of nowhere? How did you find out you'd made the squad? Um, you said you're only 20 years old. So, um, were you expecting it, or did it come come out of nowhere? No, that came out of nowhere. I was playing under 20s in France, and I received a call and say like, uh, okay, you need to come to Pumas camp straight away to train. Because the one of the coaches uh, wants to want to put the more young guys, uh, young guys in the in the squad just to for for them to start learning. That guy was Graham Henry, uh, you know the guy, yeah. the coach. Yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he he came from New Zealand to he was an assistant coach for the Pumas, and he said like, why don't you have like young guys training with 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 experienced guys? Yeah. And we didn't have any any. And he said, you need to have at least, like, I don't know, five or six 20-year-old guys starting to learn, starting to develop. So he was the one that changed the mind and, and, sure. and brought, uh, made the head coach bring some some young guys. So I went to camp. I wasn't expecting to play. Uh, and uh, players started getting injured. And our captain at the moment, uh, Fernandez Lobe, he got injured like on a Tuesday. When we were when we were playing against South Africa, so I just jumped into the squad oh, uh, on a Tuesday, and I say, okay, that's it. I think I'm gonna play against South Africa, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was and that was my debut. Yeah, that was my debut. Oh, that's correct. And you always play whenever you play for your country, mate. You always play with so much passion. Um, you obviously love representing your country. And was that the same from as soon as you were picked in that squad? Yeah, hundred percent. Like. We represent obviously our country, but also we represent like our family. You know how much things my my mother did for me to be able to be to be there. Uh, represent my home club. Uh, I was a naughty boy. I think that in any other club in the world, they would they would just kick me out, yeah. and they they just embraced me the way I was. So yeah, when I play for Argentina, all that come to my mind, like uh, all the people that make it make it possible and help me to to be there at that moment. Uh, so yeah, that's why we yeah, we love playing for our country. We represent so so many people that yeah, it's something beautiful. And at the same time, I think you're 20 as well. When you get uh, a contract offer over in at the Leicester Tigers, um, was this an easy decision for you to take up? That was the easiest decision I ever took in my life. Like, <laughs> I was I was playing my last game uh, in the rugby championship. We were playing against uh, Australia in Argentina. And I remember one of the of the more experienced guys, uh, Marcos Ascherza. He was a prop for Leicester Tiger, and he came and said, "Like, hey, the head coach of Leicester Tiger, um, Richard Cockerill, mm. uh, is asking for you." And he he told me to ask you if you were keen to come to Leicester. And I said, "Like, when?" Uh, he said, "Whenever you, you you're available." Okay, tell him I'm coming. <laughs> so I I don't even like read a contract or whatever he sent me a contract and i just grabbed the contract and gave it to my captain that was uh, fernandez lobby yeah and i just gave 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 him the contract i say okay you read this contract and tell me if it's fine and yeah i just sign it sure. so i just signed the contract and after signing the contract i called my mother and said hey mother uh, i'm i'm going to play in leicester tigers uh, when oh, i'm going on, on monday <laughs> and she was like what are you what are you talking about? Um, you have nothing to worry about. Uh, 
Fernandez Lobby already read the contract. Everything is fine, man. I'm going to play for Leicester Tigers. So I just, my mother freaked out. She drove to, to Rosario like three hours and a half because he couldn't speak uh, with me in the phone. I said, like, what are you telling me? And that's when I didn't know I'm going to Leicester Tigers. It's a team in England and I'm going to go play professional rugby for the first time in my life. And I was supposed to, to be picked up at the airport in Heathrow. But when I arrived there, there was no one because I think that the, the, the flight got delayed or whatever. So I just start asking there to the people like, hey, how do I go to Leicester? And they were like, Leicester, uh, Leicester Square or Leicester City? Because there's like a, a subway, a subway uh, stop that is called Leicester, uh, Leicester Square. I almost went there. Imagine if I went there. I would never, ever find my way to Leicester. Leicester It'd still City. be there. So, yeah, I remember I just uh, changed some uh, dollars for pounds, got an hour of internet, went into a, into a computer and sent an email. I only had an email from Leicester. And I said, hey, guys, I'm, I'm at Heathrow Terminal 2. I'm going to wait one more hour. If not, I'm just finding my way there. <laughs> and after like 45 minutes, someone arrived. Some guy arrived and took me to, to Leicester. I was like two hours and a half or three hours from, the, from Heathrow. So I was, I was lucky. I made it to, to, to the club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, one of the great yarns. And then once you made it there, what was it like? What was it like going in there as a 20-year-old, um, first time playing professional rugby? Must have been pretty cool. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, I, I didn't think too much before t- taking the decision. So I just went there. I didn't know even where I was going to live. Yeah. So they just put me on the house of uh, another player, Gonzalo Camacho. He was like 31 years old, living with with, uh, with his uh, with his partner, and I just went there, lived there for a month because no one wanted to rent me an, an apartment to a uh, 20 years old rugby <laughs> player with an Argentinian passport. No one wanted to, to rent me an apartment in England. I didn't have like a bank account. I didn't have nothing, uh, so it was hard to get a, an apartment. Uh, so I lived with him for a month. He was he was great help. Uh, and after that, I started living by myself. That was like the first time I lived by myself. Remember that in England, like they send you letters, like post letters for everything, like <laughs> electricity bill or I don't know, everything is like a letter. I yeah. never opened one letter in my life. <laughs> like the letters keep coming, coming, coming. <laughs> And like after four months, I was living in Leicester. My my mother came to visit, and when she opened the door, there was like a mountain of letters. <laughs> and she said, "Like, what is all this?" And I said, "Like, I don't know. This. Never opened a letter. Never paid a bill. Never did nothing. I didn't know. How, I didn't know how to do it." Yeah, <laughs> she took care of everything. Yeah, she got to take care of everything. <laughs> but it was a great experience. Like a lot of learning from my time in Leicester. Yeah. yeah, I I struggled a lot because it was it was obviously hard, but now I I look backwards and and it was incredible incredible learnings. I made a lot of friends. I think one of one of my friends uh, has been here in the podcast before, uh, Scott Steely from Harrisburg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, he was he was the best. He was the first guy to come speak to me. Say, hey, who are you? We play under twenties against each other. Yeah, uh, that year, that year as well, uh, the year I went to Leicester. So he was he he took me uh, under his wing and yeah. showed me around, and we had a lot of fun. Yeah, he, we had a lot of fun together. No doubt, mate. He he is a champion, lad. Eh? Like he would have been a good yeah, man. Yeah, he is. 
get you under his wing because he loves a good time as well. So I could imagine you and him having mm. a good time as young 20-year-old kids um, in Leicester together. But you mentioned um, you obviously learned a lot about um, life off the field. You grew up pretty quick living by yourself. But what was it like on the field over there? Was it was it a different style that you weren't used to? Yeah, it was like my first. I've never been involved like, in a professional uh, team uh, so everything was new and Leicester is a it's an amazing place to to start as a young player because it's very very professional so everything was learning uh, I remember one the one of the interns there one of the SNC coaches asked me like what what I was having for dinner and I remember I I didn't know how to cook or whatever so I just went to the petrol station buy some there was like a combo where you can buy a, a monster drink energy drink <laughs> and it came with some with a sandwich and chips and i remember like one every two nights i ate that <laughs> i didn't know anything about nutrition and when the snc coach uh, knew about this he said i know that this you need to start eating properly he he took me to the supermarket he showed me everything that i need to buy put everything on the cart, make me pay. And hey, uh, after this day, every time you come to the supermarket, you buy exactly the same things I just put in your cart. I remember me trying to put some Pringles, put some pizzas, and he's like, no, this not, this is not, you can't trick this. <laughs> and that was a game changer. That was, uh, after that, I put like, start putting a lot of weight, start uh, gaining a lot of uh, muscle, uh, muscle weight. Uh, that changed, that changed everything. I was sitting like, very bad before that i didn't know anything about nutrition so yeah that was one of the of the big learnings <laughs> and what was it like on the field did you did you get much game time um for leicester obviously we were young it was a pretty um it was probably a powerhouse of english rugby at the time so did you get many opportunities on the field yeah i now now that i i look backwards i think i got a lot of opportunities but i played like nine or ten or ten games uh, but at that moment I thought like I need to play every game. Yeah. So I remember yeah. being angry because I was not playing every game. And I remember Richard Coco telling me, like, you're a young player, you're just developing. Now you're maybe not playing too much. But when we are when you are gonna get older, you're gonna say, Oh, I would wish I played less <laughs> rugby. And I was like, nah, 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 I have to play every game, every game, every game. Yeah. I didn't understand it. Now that I look backwards, I said, like, he made me play. Quite, quite a bit. I went for a medical joker for Tom Croft. He did his he did his knee. Uh, I think that no one expected me to play too much, uh, and I and I had a couple of chances, a couple of games. So yeah, I think I played I played quite a bit. And then the next move for you was back to Argentina, was it to the local uh, Super Rugby team? Is it the Jaguares? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Jaguares. Yeah, but that was the year. That was like two years after Leicester because yeah. when the when the season was about to finish, uh, Richard Cocker asked me like, "Okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to uh, come here for one more season?" Jaguars was not still a possibility. Jaguars was two years after that. So, and I said like, "I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I wasn't able to make the decision." Yeah. So I I, I told him, "Okay, I'm going back home. When the season ends, I'm I'm going back home. I'm gonna take a couple of weeks." And then I, I talk to you and, and tell you if I want to come back or not. Yeah. So I, I put all my stuff in a car. I parked the car anywhere. 
and I just left England, went back home to my friends and said, like, okay, I need to take a decision. I never took the decision. I never was able to do, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back or I'm not going to come back. Yeah. Went back to play for Argentina, a rugby championship we, without a contract, without nothing. Broke my shoulder. Oh. And after that, I, I've been like 10 months without playing rugby because I, I did yeah. my shoulder. And yeah. now looking backwards, I said, like, I was taking all the wrong decisions. Like, why would you go? Why would you, you, you had to do one more year in Leicester, learn a little more, yeah. go play rugby championship with a contract so you're safe. Yeah. But all that stuff, I didn't think about all that at, the, at, the, at that time. I just, I don't know, did whatever. Yeah. So, so yeah, I had to go back to Argentina, live back with my mother, my three sister for 10 months without playing rugby, just recovering and being yeah. back in Argentina. So when I saw that my career was doing like this, playing for the Pumas, playing for Leicester Tiger, then boom, I hit the wall, mm. went back home. <laughs> and yeah, next year was, was World Cup. Uh, and I said, like, oh, I need, I, need to, I need to start training and get fit and get ready if I, if I want to have a chance. Mm. So I played the Pacific Cup, Pacific Cup in Fiji yeah. and some games that the Argentina had, like uh, Argentina 15. I went to the World Cup and after the World Cup, that's when, when Jaguar started. And I played four years for the Jaguar. But in the middle of Jaguars and Leicester, there was a year where I was just injured without a contract, living with my mother. Yeah. Mate, it's crazy. So when you when you are injured like that, is no one from Argentina help you with your you know recovery and stuff? Is it all left for you to do on your own? Uh, that was a bit crazy because uh, with Argentina before Jaguars, you you didn't have like a contract because oh, there was okay. no professional competitions. You just you got a contract for the week if you get picked for for the squad or or if oh, you are really? between the. So there was, I didn't have a professional contract with Argentina, whatever, I was just by myself. Yeah. They did help me a lot with the, with the I went, they, they had a place where you, I could go have recovery, do uh, physiotherapy and all the stuff. Mm. So yeah, obviously they helped with my recovery, but I was not under a contract or something that, uh, no, nah, I was just by, by myself. Yeah. That's crazy. And did you ever pick up your um, car with all your stuff in it? Or was that still there? No, no, I remember like after like an year or so, I received a, a email, an email that said like, okay, we found, we found your car. It was wrongly parked for, I don't know how much time. So we just, like, I think they demolished it. Oh, true. Yeah. yeah they it was, it was a 300 pound Fiat, uh, Fiat Punto yeah. from 1999 with all my stuff inside and it only, only one of the doors uh, was working because, <laughs> uh, yeah, logo Munipola at that yeah. uh, at that moment, prop, prop for Leicester Tiger, on a night out, he just smashed the door and I could never open it again. <laughs> so only the only my door, the driving door, was the one working. So every time I had to pick someone up, that the, the guy had to come this way <laughs> into the other seat. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't lose a lot of value when I lost my car. But yeah, I got. I remember I have my coffee machine and some stuff inside the car as well that uh, they're gone. Got it. <laughs> got it. Oh, but yeah. one one thing about the um, Hakuwares was that, like, obviously, it's always hard to start a new team in a competition like Super Rugby. But one thing I guess I remember about them is 
they were getting better every single year. I guess it was um, the time you guys had together and obviously you took them all the way to the to the final in 2019, but it was such a cool um, journey for you guys to see where you went from the start to where you finished up. Uh, that was unbelievable. Like, uh, I remember when, when we started the project, uh, when they told us, hey, you guys want to join the Jaguars and, and our first year, we didn't have nothing. We didn't even have like a gym, a proper gym where we would train or anything. It was it was from zero. And the first year we struggled a bit. I think we won three or four games. Second year we we won like six. Yeah. And our third year we, we played quarterfinals. We couldn't believe we were playing quarterfinals in Johannesburg against the Lions. And our fourth year, uh, we went to the final. So it was mm. it was a lot of growing year by year, and yeah. it was amazing. Like we, we were feeling really proud of what we were doing because uh, we look backwards and we start building building like a culture. Our team has a, had a, a culture already, has have some traditions, have some ways of working, uh, learn a lot. I remember our first year, we said like, okay, guys. We're going to come into a competition where all the teams are playing in the same competition for 15, 10 or 20 years. I don't know. And we need to catch up. So we're going to train harder than anybody. Mm. And I remember the first year, oh man, we trained it so much. It was impossible we were going to win a game. <laughs> we trained it so much. And on the second year or, or third year, we said like, okay, boys, we are the team that we travel the most. We travel like every week to another country. So maybe we we should start focusing more about recovery and not training so much. Mm -hmm. We that was some of the learnings we we've been we we done uh, in the road, you know. But it was everything learning. You could see the the year before, and we were like, but we were doing uh, like nothing to do with what we were doing the the year before. Why, why is that? So we it was like change and learn, change and learn every time. Yeah. And yeah, it was. We were really proud to that, that we played the final. I, I think that if the Jaguars keep on going, we were going to be a, a strong team in the competition, uh, a consistent strong team in the competition because we were in a in a good in a good path. Yeah. Mm. So what what did happen to them, and and where are they now? Like, is it all over, or is there still hope to get them back? To be honest, we were. Uh, I was not the after the fourth year. Uh, on the fifth year, I went to play for Stade Francais, mm. but the the team stayed more or less the same. The same, and we were about to play uh, the Highlanders back home. We were already in the stadium. It was a Saturday, so it was game day, mm. and we just they just told us, "Hey, the pandemic start uh, like COVID stuff," and they just told us. Uh, the New Zealand team has to go, I think, straight to New Zealand because if not, they're not going to be able to to get into the country because oh, sure. rules are changing or whatever. So we're not playing the game. And we were like, what? Why are we not playing the game? We're already here. Like It's like two hours before the game. Yeah. And after that, we never, ever played again. Like, right. never right. played again. They just, boom. Yeah, just rules change. Teams the, the tournament changed because of the of the of the COVID nineteen. Teams start changing. They didn't want to travel too much. They want to play more uh, intern competitions, and we didn't have an intern competition. So the union just came and say, "Okay, guys, if you guys can go and play anywhere in the world, if you got a chance to play any other team, just go because we are not going to be able to compromise and keep on 
pay your contracts. So yeah. there were players that had like four-year contracts, three-year contracts, oh, and they yeah. just had to go and, and find a, another place to keep on uh, competing and playing rugby. Right, so it cool. was yeah. it was crazy, crazy times, but yeah, I think that made us stronger. And now looking backwards and seeing uh, all we've been through, and I think we we are we are a stronger team. Mm. And did everyone get a contract, or is there still quite a few really talented players over in Argentina who are sort of waiting for a contract or an opportunity that probably would have been presented if they was if they still had the Jaguars? Yeah, um, I think there's we, we have a lot of young talent that. Uh, would be probably playing for the Jaguars or playing Super Rugby at the moment if if we had the team. Ninety percent of the players found found clubs and were able to go. Maybe not to the clubs that they they would love to go, but to the clubs that they 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 got a chance to go at that moment because everyone wanted to keep on competing and playing rugby. Uh, so yeah, now now it's more stable uh, after the pandemic and after. After two years and a half, uh, players start to find better clubs, better competition. Uh, a lot of young players of Argentina, very young players, have a, a intern competition that is called the SLAR. It's like a South American competition. Oh, yeah. It's not as competitive as, as Super Rugby, for sure. Nothing to do with Super Rugby, but at least for very young players that want to, mm. to play some uh, better rugby, it's, it's a, good, uh, a good spot. To be seen by the by the Pumas coaches or or by the yeah by Argentina rugby, mm. but it's getting better. And you mentioned your move to um, start France. Eh? Um, how did how did that move come about? Why'd you why'd you head over there? Well, I I always wanted to to play in France or to experience something different. I I remember obviously my experience in Leicester that taught me a lot. And I said, okay, I want to do it again. Now I, I was in a different position in my life. I was uh, with a partner already. We wanted to do it together. I was struggling with uh, with traveling so much, and I wanted to I wanted to start a family. Uh, I wanted to have a kid, and maybe with all the travel, it was it was not not so easy. I I could see the the older boys that had kids how much they suffer with all the traveling and stuff. And I said, oh, maybe it's it's better that I go to Europe and live in the same country and play in the same country and be able to have a, a family. So that was our project. So I went to France and, uh, and yeah, we, have, we had our first kid there. And it was a great experience as well, uh, learning a new language, a uh, new environment. Our rugby was maybe not the best at the moment. Staff Francais was struggling a little bit. Uh, I remember I was contracted by Heineken Mayer. And when I arrived, uh, like two days before I traveled to France, uh, he got sacked uh, from Stade Francais. So when I arrived, we didn't have a coach or we didn't have nothing. So I didn't even know who to speak to to get the game plan or, <laughs> or, or to learn or to learn the calls or whatever. Yeah. So it was yeah, it was tough times in Paris, uh, but it was fun. It was mm. fun. How did your wife find living in France? Did she enjoy it? Oh, she loved it. Yeah, she really loved it. She loved Paris. Uh, we lived there for two years and we were we were offered to stay three more years there. Yeah. And that's that's when I told her, I think I want to go and play in New Zealand. And she was like, nah, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I already learned the language. Uh, I already did everything. Now yeah. Yeah, now we settled because every time you go to a new place, the first couple of months you struggle a little bit. Yeah. And then you start you start finding your rhythm, you start getting 
to know new people, mm. new friends, uh, be part of the group. And that's when I, all the time when I say, okay, now it's time to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she, she paid me for that. But she knew how how important and how much mean it has for me for me to go play in New Zealand yeah. and obviously to go to the Crusaders. So she understood and 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 she knew it was it was my dream. Mm. So she was fine for that. And now we 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 don't regret anything. Like yeah. I think we, we took the, the the good decision. So how did you get that contract at the Crusaders? It's not often um, international players come to New Zealand and play for a New Zealand Super Rugby side. So how did the contract come up initially? Well, initially, uh, when we played the Rugby Championship in 2020, uh, I heard of one of my mates, uh, Santiago Chocobares, he's playing for Toulouse at the moment, that he was going. He, he was offered to go and play for the Blues. Oh, yeah. Then, because of the the MIQ or the visa or one of those things, he he was not able to go there, and the contract fell. But that's when I say like I thought it was impossible to go and play for New Zealand. And after that, I said like, oh, maybe it's not impossible. Maybe it's mm-hmm. it's hard, but maybe there's a, a way. So I remember calling my agent and saying, I, I want to go and play for Super Rugby and in New Zealand. So he started uh, working, started talking to some clubs. And I remember my first call with Razor. I think it was like 7 a.m. in in New Zealand. He was in the computer and I could see like a cat walking at the back. And he was very relaxed and he was like, okay, do you want to come to the crusade? And I was like, I would love to, like 100%. And then he said, okay, okay, we'll make it work. And that's it. That's how hard it was. He just said, okay, we'll make it work. And... We, we didn't talk about nothing. We didn't talk about numbers. We didn't talk about nothing else. He said, like, you want to come? Yeah, okay, we'll make it work. That's it. And that's that was the end of the of the conversation. <laughs> and yeah, every, everything everything went really, really fast. But I finished my season in France in June. Mm. And I had to be in, in New Zealand in December. Mm. And it was impossible to get, a, to get an MIQ spot. Mm. So uh, I was six months without club. And when we were in November, I was like, still didn't know if I was going to have a spot or if I was going to be able to go to New Zealand. So that was a stressful times. Yeah. That was very stressful times. I was like, then I got a, I got a spot in MIQ for the like 27th of February, and I remember I was so happy. Call call Racer and I said like, hey, I found a spot 20 27th of February, and he was like, nah. Don't take it. We we had our first our first game is, is the twenty fourth of February, and I was like, but this is the best I can get. If you didn't t- if you didn't take that spot, uh, you could still continue trying to get another spot, but maybe you you won't have another spot. Yeah. So we just took the risk. We said like, okay, we're not taking it. And I was on the November tour in, in Ireland when when I got my spot, and it says like, okay, in five days you got a spot for the next five days. You need to be in New Zealand. Whoa. So I just flew from Ireland straight to Dubai. My wife was in Argentina. She flew to Dubai, and from there we, we fly together to New Zealand. We didn't have Crazy. even uh, even time to pack or whatever. We just said, like, "Okay, we're going to New Zealand. That's it." <laughs> and yeah, remember we were we were doing the MIQ in Hamilton, and you could see all the the faces of the people. They were all like, "Oh, why we have to do a week uh, a week in a hotel or whatever?" And we were like. 
we were so happy we were in New Zealand. <laughs> we didn't care if we had to do a month in the hotel. We, just, <laughs> we were so stressed for six months trying to get a spot that we, we didn't care if we didn't need to do anything to, to be there. Yeah. So, so when when yeah. you got to Christchurch, you had you said you didn't pack or anything, so you just had to start from nothing, find a house, and get everything to to live. I guess. Yeah, I think that the Crusaders is amazing in 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 that way. Yeah. Because when I arrived to when I arrived to the airport, they already we, we couldn't have contacts because oh, yeah. after I arrived and I do my MIQ, I still have to do like four more days in in Christchurch of isolation. But my my car was already there, parked. Uh, they already put like uh, I already rent an Airbnb, and they went there and put like food in the fridge. They asked mm-hmm. me, "What do you eat? What do you need for the next four days? What does your baby need for the next four days?" So they sort everything out. So that was really amazing. That was something else, like something I I, I never experienced in any other environment or any other team. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much they care about the the family that is coming to to the new club mm. so yeah that's how it worked and after after my four days in quarantine i just started training and involved with the team and how do you find the the boys like how what was the what was the differences between the crusaders and some of the other sides that you'd played for no, i was in, the, i remember our first day uh, that we had to do some uh, fitness tests mm. and we finished our fitness test and after that, we started like doing rugby drills or rugby skills. And I was amazed of the quality of the rugby session because I said, like, if I look back to any other team and we, we haven't been training together for a month and we just did some fitness test, our rugby would be like shit. Sorry <laughs> for the word. I don't know how to say it, but our rugby wouldn't be like, we, we wouldn't have a good quality session. Yeah. And the, the the quality session there was like spot on, like really good. Sometimes like we have, I don't know, a Wednesday off. Mm-hmm. We train on a Tuesday, we had a Wednesday off and we go back to train on a Thursday. And I remember having some bad sessions because we, we come from a day off. And that day I said like, okay, these guys come from a month off or whatever, a couple of weeks off. And you could see the quality of the training. So yeah. I was amazed. To be honest, I was amazed. So that was one of the big impacts. Did you have to change your style the way you played at all? Because it looked like you looked lighter and uh, obviously you looked like you're playing with a bit more freedom and a lot of one-handed offloads. And I mean, kicking game was on point. Remember that kick in the final, but um, did you change your style at all? Man, I was trying to put weight on, but it was impossible. Like they run <laughs> so much in training. They didn't even like they don't give you like 20 seconds to go and have a drink. So that's why I was looking lighter. I was running, I was running all day. Like I never ran in my life, more than when I was 20. So yeah, the first couple of games, I honestly I struggled. Like I said, this is harder than I thought. Yeah. The challenge was not in the rugby, but was in the fitness wise, you know, the physical, it was very physical, very fast. A lot of game time. So that was the biggest challenge. But I think after the fourth or fifth game, I started feeling better mm. and being able to play some rugby because I was not playing rugby at all at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, at the end, at the end, I really, I really felt I, I, I found my rhythm, found yeah. my rhythm with the team, get to know my teammates, how they play, where they're going to be. And uh, I started enjoying my rugby a lot. Mm. How much weight did you lose? I lost like four kg. Oh yeah, and you've put that yeah. back on now. 
like after two weeks i put it back <laughs> <laughs> two, two weeks at home and i put it back yeah oh that's good stuff and and what sort of players what sort of players in that crusaders environment really impressed you who did you think wow this guy is amazing uh Severis. yeah so that that guy is something else yeah he can kick, he can chase, he can run, he can tackle, he can do whatever. Yeah, that was one of the guys that I was more impressed. Uh, uh, Lester Fainganaku as well. Mm. Uh, he's he, he's a beast. Obviously, Sam Whitelock, uh, the way the way he talks, his mental strengths, everything. Yeah, a lot of learning from him as well. But Idan Blackheather, like his work rate. Uh, is unbelievable. So yeah, a lot of lot of incredible players. Yeah, and talk me through that kick in the um, final. Obviously, a lot of people will remember the wee grubber you put through. Big moment in a big game. What do you remember about that one? And uh, not much to be honest. I remember <laughs> uh, it just happened. You know, when you don't not thinking a lot, but I just at some point after after playing a little bit with uh, maybe Severis. I knew that you could just keep whatever and he's going to get the ball. So <laughs> that gave me a lot of confidence, to be honest. That gave me a lot of confidence. I could just throw a shit pass and he was, <laughs> he's going to grab it and run 20 meters. So at some point, uh, that gave me a lot of confidence. And I don't know, I just saw a space and just kicked the ball. I had to write in my hand, like, top kicking because it's something that I always want to do, even though it's like my first option. Like, okay, kick, no. Run. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I need to keep on telling myself, like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It just happened. It just happened. Mm. Did you did you play in the back line when you were younger? Is that where the kicking your kicking game come from, or were you always a forward? No, I started playing winger. Oh, did yeah? I was lighter. I was <laughs> a lot lighter. Yeah, I was yeah. more like an, a skater boy, you know. <laughs> yeah, very light and uh, fit. Yeah. And I love running with the ball. I love kicking the ball because I love playing football and I thought rugby should be similar to football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started playing. When I went to my first club here, they said, okay, this is a tall guy. Maybe we play we play him lock. So I, I went straight from winger to playing lock. <laughs> and and then I, I made my way through to be back in the back row. But <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff. Okay. I guess the next step for you is obviously Honda. How long's your contract there with Honda? I got a, a one one plus one, so yeah, one maybe two years with Honda. Yep. Yep. Yeah, see how you go. We'll see how and, it goes. and then what's yeah, your plans we'll after that? Japan, you, I'm not a a great planner, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not a great planner. Just looking forward, really anxious to be to be in Japan to see how that experience goes. Yeah, and after that we'll see. We'll see now. I can tell that I experienced a little bit of New Zealand, a little bit of Europe, Argentina, Japan. Like we're gonna see where maybe we wanna continue as a family after this and as yeah. as, as rugby as well, and we'll see. What are your plans post footy? Have you got much of an idea of what you'd like to do? Not really, yeah. not really. I think I wanna be involved with the game. Like mm. I love how my my life is now about traveling, about preparing, about mm rugby about being involved with a team uh, I enjoy I, I enjoy a lot that so I think I'm going to do something similar yeah but I'm not sure would you coach maybe yeah maybe 
Mm. I could imagine you being the coach mm. of Argentina post the Checker era and steps big Pablo. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, man. You never know. <laughs> never know. Never know. And where do you think uh, the family will settle? You've mentioned you've been all around the world. You've lived in almost every country possible. Uh, where do you think the family's going to want to settle? I don't know. But I do know. I don't know if it's going to happen, but my wife just loves Christchurch. Oh, uh, really? Today we were, talking, we, were, we were talking about, we were having some fun, and I told her, like, okay, what would you do if I if I die tomorrow? What are you going to do? And she's like, ah, probably going back to Christchurch. <laughs> and I said, like, what are you, what are you going to do there? <laughs> You're going to be very lonely there, far from Argentina, far from family. I said, like, mm, I don't know. I, I would be okay. <laughs> no, we loved our time. We loved our time in Christchurch. We really enjoy, enjoy it a lot. So, uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to say Christchurch, but mm. I don't know. Maybe New Zealand. Yeah. Right. How good it's an amazing Mate, you'll have to get back to the Crusaders. I'm gutted that I'm not going to get to work with you um, next season, but hopefully I'm still there the year after, and, mate, we'll have to get you back. Hopefully I can still play some good rugby <laughs> after a couple of years, and we'll see. Yeah, yeah no <laughs> doubt. You'll be on fire still. Well, anyway, as always, I've gone to my Instagram where I ask um, the listeners for some questions, and um, so many questions came in for you. Very popular man, and a lot of them came in about one person. So, I got 87 questions come in, and 63 of these questions were about this one guy who I who I played a bit of rugby with. I know he's an absolute pest. He's very niggly, but it is Dane Coles. Talk me through what happened after <laughs> the test number two with Dane Coles. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was not something I'm pr- proud about, to be honest, because uh, I know there's a lot of young young kids or young players that watch the game and it's uh, it's not a good example like uh, I, I I'm the one that uh, one of the guys that said like the thing that happened in the field stayed in the field yeah that's how it has to be always but uh, that day was a bit different to be honest that day was a bit different uh, I think he, he came in when there was like 10 minutes left and he just continued speaking on me uh in every rack, in every scrum, saying some things that, uh, to be honest, really hurt me. Yeah. Really hurt me. Some some strong things. Uh, uh, I don't want to repeat it. I don't want to repeat it. Uh, but uh, I couldn't understand why, because they were winning by forty points. He just came in like I didn't understand why he was uh, with that attitude. Uh, but I know he's he's obviously he's a great player. But I know he's a great guy as well because. Uh, some of his his teammates spoke to me after the game and say like, "Oh, this is he's a good guy." And I said, "I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure." But I just didn't understand why he yeah. he continued picking at me. And he said things that I'm sensible about, like uh, me being in New Zealand, like you don't belong here. And I was like, "If you knew how much effort me and my family did to be yeah. able to come to New Zealand, you you wouldn't be saying these things." Mm. But uh, yeah, that's it. It won't happen again. And even though I didn't want to give the hand to him because uh, I, I can't take uh, disrespectful, uh, I, I have to. I, I should have done it because uh, the game is bigger than any player, and there's a lot of young fellows watching the game, and uh, the game just needs to be a, a, as clean as and, and as as, yeah, as good as it can be. Mm, mate, I love that. I, I I do know I do know how niggly and 
how bad some of his um his, some of his banter can be. And yeah, sounds like he he took it a little bit overboard in that game for sure. Yeah, it can happen. Mm. Another another good learning for for next time. Yeah, if he invited you to go have a beer with him, would you go? Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred oh. percent. Oh, yeah. Love that. Love that. Okay, next yeah. question. This one's from uh, your good mate Scott Steele, and um, you mentioned him at the Leicester Tigers, but. Oh. Um, ask him what happened to his white bunny rabbit when he was playing at Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, as I told you before, when I was living in Leicester, I was, I didn't know if I wanted to stay or not. So I, I don't even plan, I don't even make a proper like moving back to Argentina because I thought yeah. that maybe I would come back. And after like days gone by and I had to leave, uh, so I just booked a plane and. Uh, after packing a few things, I said like, "Okay, what I'm gonna do with the bunny?" Like, <laughs> so I don't, I didn't know where to take it or whatever. So I just opened the door and <laughs> released him. He was a free bunny now, <laughs> running Leicester. I hope that, uh, I hope that he didn't got uh, hunted by a fox or something like that, because there's a lot of foxes around there. But yeah, he was, he, he's a free bunny now. <laughs> So was this your pet bunny? Did you buy a pet bunny? Or where did the bunny come from? No, I didn't buy it. I just went to a place where they have a lot of animals and they just, uh, if you wanted to take care of it, you you could take care of it. <laughs> so I don't know. I thought, uh, it, I don't know, maybe a bunny is easy. <laughs> so I, I got the bunny, but I, I, I didn't have a cage or nothing. So the bunny was free in my house all the time. <laughs> And he keep on like biting everything. He he ate all the cables of the TV. He ate everything, everything like the, the even the wall was like all you could see his his teeth everywhere. And it was not my house. It was a rent house. Now I can tell why no one wanted to rent me a flat investor. Like yeah, it was. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he was a free bunny and. You could be watching TV and you heard like, and the bunny was like running all over the apartment, all night running because they're like uh, night animals. And yeah, one day I just set him free. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Did the landlord know you had a bunny <laughs> at the rental? Uh, no, not really. And the landlord, I said like, I think I texted him when I was in the airport already. I said like, oh, I left the keys at the... At the door, I'm flying to Argentina today. Thank you for everything. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> oh, that uh, is so good. <laughs> I love that one. The white bunny. Okay, next question. This one came in a couple of times. How have you got such massive arms? What's the secret? Arms? Yeah. No, nah, massive arms. <laughs> but there was, I, I had a, I had a, one of the best conditioning coach was uh, Steph Dutois in Stade Francais. He's South African. He was the condition coach for Stormers. I'm sure a lot of South African boys know him. And he had a, he was the fittest guy in the in the team. Like no one could beat him at Bronco. He's like, I think 50 years old. And he had a mentality that said that no, no biceps, no rugby. Like you can't play rugby if you don't have biceps. <laughs> but no, nah, that's not me. That's not me. I'm not a, I'm not a big, uh, a big uh, gym fan, to be honest. Yeah. I'm not yeah. a big fan. I, I was a big uh, gym fan when I was younger. Uh, now I'm just a 
I'm more like recovery. a recovery guy. I'm more, <laughs> <laughs> I'm more about trying to be able to play on Saturday. That's yeah. Yeah. Well, I think everyone gets to that age eh, where you just recovery becomes the main part of um, rugby. Eh? Yeah. Not everybody, man. Cody Taylor, man, he. I remember him smashing the gym and watch. I, I see how he could watch me, and he said like, "You don't like gym, eh?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said like. Nah, I don't like it too much. <laughs> he's a yeah, he's a gym freak. Yeah, he's a gym. <laughs> right, that's good. Okay, next one. This question's from our major sponsor, Swish. If you could get a video message from any celebrity, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a good one. Probably uh, Lewis Hamilton. Oh yeah, yeah, Formula One. Yeah. He's, I, I'm a big, I'm a big Red Bull, Red Bull fan, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Max Verstappen, but uh, Lewis Hamilton, the last decade, he's been unbelievable. One of the best sportsman ever. Uh, and rather than that, uh, Michael Jordan. Yeah, I got one of his jerseys back home. Oh, uh, that I, I I bought in an, in an auction. Did uh, he play in one it? One of his jerseys. Yeah, he's. He painted and I'm not sure if he painted. I don't think so, but oh, he's yeah. signing. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think he painted because I, I didn't pay that much. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not sure if he painted it, but it's still a, a signed jersey. And yeah, I have it in the in my, my kid's room. Yeah. He doesn't understand what it is, but one day he will. <laughs> He'll know. Yeah. Do you, so yeah. do you follow quite a bit of other sports? Obviously, you love a bit of Formula One, a bit of basketball. Yeah, not not too much basketball, but I I obviously I know Michael Jordan, but Formula One, yeah, I love Formula One. Mm. Yeah, I love the the PlayStation game of Formula One. Oh yeah, love playing. Yeah, and football. Obviously, everyone loves football in Argentina. Yeah, Argentina is just about football. <laughs> Rugby is so tiny, you you couldn't tell. When I went to Christchurch. I said like I said to my wife, I think that more people knows me know me here than they know me <laughs> in Argentina. Like, <laughs> everyone knows rugby in Christchurch and obviously in New Zealand, but in Christchurch, like everyone. Mm. Remember my first day, like the, the girl in the check-in say like, So you are that foreign player that is coming to play for the Crusaders? And I said like, Yeah, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I don't look too much to New Zealand Lander. I know my English is not that good. <laughs> Oh, good stuff, Kay. Two more questions. What was your favorite thing and least favorite thing about living in New Zealand? My favorite thing, I love the Christchurch is amazing. Like you you got like 20 minutes you can be in the beach, another 10 minutes you can be in the mountains, and how like there's a lot of things to do with a family. Mm-hmm. Like I think that everything is a thing to be able to do it with young kids and you got always the option of uh, of being able to do it with with young kids. So we really had the best time ever as a family. Mm. I think the worst thing and the most difficult thing was the time difference. We got oh, yeah. f- fifteen or sixteen hour difference. So we we had a very short gap uh, to be able to talk to family and connect with family. So there was a couple of weeks where we just don't spoke with anybody yeah. and we were just the, the three of us there by ourselves so that was maybe the hardest thing but uh, it's it's a beautiful place yeah we really enjoyed it i love that okay last question what's the best piece of advice you have for a water lad listener uh 
I think the best the advice is to, I remember when I was uh, about to make the decision if going to, if going in, uh, to New Zealand or maybe staying in France or, and you start putting a lot of things in the balance, you say like, okay, maybe uh, our family, where is my family going to be better? What's going to be easier? Or where am I going to get more money? Or you, you put a lot of things in the balance, but mm. at the end of the day, there's like one thing that matters that is like, what do you want to do? Like, where do you want to play? So mm-hmm. I always come back and ask like the, the, the Pablo with 15 years old that started to play rugby and said like, okay, where would he want to play? So, and it was like, that made everything so easy. Like mm-hmm. where did Pablo, when he was 15, want to play? Or he probably would prefer playing with the Crusaders. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just, don't think too much, you know, don't think too much. Just do whatever you feel. Our, your, your first feeling 80% of the time is the, is the, the proper one, the best choice. Yeah. And just do whatever. Yeah. Just do, do whatever you, you really enjoy and love doing. Mate, I love that. And you've obviously lived by it because you have, like we've spoken about in the podcast, been everywhere. You've experienced so many things. You would have met so many people from this game. So Mate, it's awesome hearing you living your story. But, mate, really appreciate you coming on the podcast, giving up your time. Um, I know you're a legend here in New Zealand. You're a legend um, in world rugby, to be fair. So it's been awesome getting an insight into um, your career and um, hearing a little bit more about you. No, thank you for inviting me. I always always enjoyed uh, talking about rugby and talking about life. And it brings a lot of memories back to me that I, I with, with, with your questions and something that I haven't been able to really think about yeah. so thank you very much i, I really enjoyed it and i'm gonna be watching it whenever whenever it comes yeah. Mate, hopefully i hopefully see you in uh christchurch in a couple of years you and your family no, i would love to <laughs> yeah i would love to thanks what a lad, what a lad, what a lad, what a lad.